From Adult Serial, I'm Matt Carlson, and this is Reconsider Strangers, the show where I talk with complete strangers to discover who they are, how they grew up, and learn from their stories, and maybe gain a friend in the process. There is no better strategy to learn who someone is than to talk with them. So today's guest is Hilton Carter. I didn't know exactly who he was. I just knew that he had a book that had come out last year, and he was shooting photographs for another book that was coming out uh, in 2020. He was coming to our house to shoot some photos, and that's about all I knew about him. My wife did show me his Instagram, so I know what he looked like, and I know he had a ton of plants in his house. He arrived at our door um, around noonish. Unfortunately, my wife had told him that I had a podcast and very quickly was like, you should interview Hilton, which I knew meant that I couldn't talk to him for the remainder of the time he was at our house. That's, that's not something I find to be very easy. So I hid in the bedroom, ran some errands. We even had dinner and I couldn't say anything to him. So that was awkward and hard because I really want to keep this experience pure where my first understanding of who someone is is yours as well in this case we finished dinner sat down in my office and we just started talking so fast that i really didn't even hit record yet and so you're about to hear the middle of a conversation that we kind of pick up where we're talking about joe rogan and uh well you know what here's the podcast so she knew this girl so we went and she was like oh i have to do this podcast we're like, okay. Um, we were like, well, do you want to meet us after? She said, no, 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 just come and then we'll go grab a drink afterwards. And we, we rolled in. And I was like, holy shit, that's Joe Rogan. <laughs> she was in his podcast? Yeah, she was doing his podcast. How long ago was this? So this was a while ago. This was like seven years ago. Okay. At least seven years Cause ago. Because he's had it for like, what, 13 years? I don't know. This was yeah. 2000, I want to say 2012, 2013. Yeah. It was around that time, and we literally we went to like we were. It was at a uh, comedy. Uh, what do you call it? Comedy club. Comedy club, yeah. in Pasadena, California. We go in the back, and there he is, like just doing his thing. And I'm like, "That's Joe Rogan." <laughs> and at this time, I only knew Joe Rogan from like uh, Fear, Fear Factor, Factor, right? Right, and like whatever that radio TV show was um, back I... in the day. And I was like, that's Joe. And I was, you know, and it was still fresh in my head, the Chappelle stuff. Right. Where he was doing the um, Tyrone Biggums, the like a homeless guy yeah. on Fear Factor. Right. And he would go, No, Joe Rogan, I won't eat those cow dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of those things where I was like, Man, Joe Rogan's the best. But anyway. He finds today's culture to be really weird. I mean, he's his from what I know, his podcast goes all over the place. All over. Yeah. From UFOs for to sure. politics <laughs> to Bernie Sanders, yeah, then for sure. some crazy conspiracy it, it, theorist. Well, I don't know if he talks about wrestling, but I know he does uh, fighting, right? He does. Like UFC. So I'm, I'm sure he has those guys on there and they talk about whatever is important, um, which is cool, though. I mean, if you listen to a podcast and you're, you're going to get certain like different things all over the place and you really like him. It's an interesting thing to, to listen to. I think people subscribe to things that they know they're going to get weekly or monthly, however the, the podcast comes out, where they're like, I like to listen to actors talk, right. you know, or I like to listen to this side of politics. Right. You just hear that constantly, or sports, right? But 
if you're gonna have someone it's like I'm gonna talk to to this guy about uh what is it um ancient aliens <laughs> from was like you should listen he talks about ancient aliens I was like what I was like Joe Rogan has people on about ancient aliens he's like yeah he's really into um like UFOs and weird shit like that I was like okay well, I think he was into it and then he became like very much like this is all a bunch of crazy people Oh, who yeah. want to become who want to become famous I think, by? I think that's what my friend was saying too. Yeah, I think he has some that maybe that one guy from um, Ancient Aliens that uh, I forget his name, crazy hair guy. It was a dude from Blink One Eighty Two who was, I think left the band to and do now, Ancient Aliens to do to go over <laughs> alien research stuff. What? And they 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 have a some guy who was a, a uh, Air Force pilot. Uh-huh. Him and another buddy, they're flying. Okay. And they saw something in the sky. And they're like, what is that? And they could see it hovering over the ocean. Uh-huh. There's nothing as far as the eye can see. Yeah. They see this little, like, they call it a tic tac. Okay. It looked like a tic tac. And then all of a sudden, and then they got the camera, they got a bead on it. Okay. They could watch it and it would hover and then it would take off faster than anything that ever has been built. Okay. And then the, the camera, then they use like, I think a FLIR camera and a Doppler radar camera and mm-hmm. all these different kind of cameras. And they watch it take off across the ocean. Yeah. And the, and the, it now is like found footage and it's out there. And the, really? and the air force last week said, this is an unidentified flying object. Wow. We have no idea what that is. Okay. And it could have been made. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I listened to it. Then I went uh-huh. online on YouTube to try to find the video to see what, you cause I, find I, it? Or you did find oh, it. Oh yeah. Oh, it's there. It's there. Oh, I'll have to check this out. It's not very. It's, I mean, it's like a pixel on the screen. It yeah, flies of by. I'm like, I don't. I mean, that's what they all are. Yeah. Right. Like, come on. Or it's shaky footage, exactly. and you're like, this is filmed off of a high eight camera. Yeah. Like, what are we and, doing here? Yeah, it's junk. What, are we, what is happening? We have the technology to to go into space and shoot things there. Why can't we film something here from a distance? <laughs> well, I have, a, I have a friend who thinks the Earth's flat. Are you? Are you? Is your friend? Um, uh, what is that guy's name? Um, not Ka- not Kawhi Leonard. I'm forgetting the dude's name. The basketball player who said it. The Earth was still flat. And I'm like, yeah. these are people who obviously never traveled. It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of uh, thinking that the Earth was flat when I was a kid. Like when people thought that I was, I got really like into the idea, like thinking about someone thinking the Earth was flat, and how interesting that would be. Like it's flat, but it does it flatten out where you hit the, the edge and then you flip. They believe that the Earth is flat and that we are surrounded by polar ice caps, what? so you can't leave the Earth because it's covered by ice. Huh? I'm so and that the, the planes. I forgot. I got on a text <laughs> message thread with him. I, I was kind of joking, and then he very, very apparently okay. was not joking. Yeah. And so I gave up. And so I just make a joke but, of it, about but it. Now. Are you? Uh, oh, do you know him enough? Know him well enough to know that he's traveled the world? Is this like? Has he been? He's extremely smart. Oh, oh, I just I don't I don't quite understand how to subscribe to that kind of an ideology, thinking that the Earth could not be round, and that every photo you ever seen has been doctored. Uh huh. Of the sphere of our globe, what does it look like? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, he thinks it's it's. I forget. Yeah, like, what is it? but you can only fly in a plane a certain like if you want to go from a certain place to a certain place around the globe, you can't fly around the globe. You have to fly just in straight lines. What? 
I, I'm like, no, just dude, just go on like, just go on kayak and look and look for a flight. And you're going to see that there's no way without flying around yeah, the globe. Exactly. You can actually have a flight for 12 hours to get to China. Yeah. I guess 20 hours to get to China. Yeah. Yeah. Let's bring him on to this podcast. <laughs> Let me be here as well. So I can chime in. I, I find it, I find it, it's humorous and it's interesting, but yeah. So I don't know you. <laughs> I know your name is Hilton. That is true. Last name Carter. Hilton Carter. Yep. You came to take photos of our house. I did. I came in, not uh, ever have, I guess, physically, I've never met the two of you. Um, I've never seen photos of you, Um, but I've only been in, uh, I guess, uh, messaging back and forth with your wife about either plants and styling in general and then recently coming here to photograph your home and i only know about you that you my wife showed me your instagram this morning and i saw pictures of your <laughs> she knew i was coming a of, long time ago i knew that but i didn't you look like, i was like you know what? i had no idea hold up today this morning you woke up you were like hold up who's coming to our house <laughs> i just show me to, show I, me before he comes I, over i just knew that i need to get everything cleaned that's what i did of know. course of course and she's like you think we have a lot of plants you should see his plants yeah. and then she showed me and i'm like I have a lot of plants. how do you move around uh, just like you do when you're in the jungle, man. You slap things to the <laughs> side. No, um, all of our plants are in places where they allow for allow for traffic to flow freely throughout the space. I'll say that. So we have a lot of big plants, so taller plants. And for me, my height, some of my plants that have limbs that hang low, I tie them up so it's easy to walk through. And then we have a lot of like smaller plants. And if we do have plants that are big, like I was saying, they're kind of in corners. So they're not like blocking your path in the house. It, it does not look like that from photos. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a straight up jungle. I like so you that say idea. how do you get through your house like a jungle? I'm like, that's what it appears like. Well, you know, they call these sort of spaces now urban jungles. You know this. Yeah. So um, people are bringing tons of plants into their homes. While I suggest those who are bringing in plants understand what they need to do when right. bringing plants in. Um, I particularly have a... Uh, passion for greenery. So understanding what is necessary to care for them, I'm able to then bring more in. What got um, you What got you into this? What got me into plants? Yeah. Um, visiting a conservatory, actually visiting a plant shop cafe. I'll say that uh, back in 2011 was the eye opener for me. I went to this uh, nursery that had this cafe and inside this cafe, they had a cafe inside of a greenhouse. And I had never seen anything like it. So I was just like, you know what? This feeling that I have while eating, this is what I want yeah. all the time. I want to feel like this while eating, while chilling, while sleeping. I want to I want to feel like I am just one with nature. And in 2014, I moved to a spot where I had more light. That spot was a transition from Los Angeles to New Orleans. Did and you pick that space because of the light they had? No, I didn't. When I moved from LA to New Orleans, I did not pick the spot based on light. I p- picked it based on square footage. Right. And I just thought it was a really cool area to be living in. And it was in that moment where I was like, we have enough light for plants, but we also have so much light. And we also have a view to the street. I lived in a quarter and had a view to the street. And there's a lot of parades and things that go up and down this block. So I wanted to bring in more plants to kind of block the view instead of just using curtains or blinds. Like basically use plants to give us some privacy. Sure. So, yeah. That's cool. So, so you got the bug. 
the bug. You got a, the bug from well, going to not, a coffee shop. Let's not let's not say bug while talking <laughs> about plants. A lot of people have issues with bugs. I'll get you some neem oil. We'll be fine. We'll there be you go. Set. We'll be there you go. <laughs> Organic gardening. We'll be good. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because like my wife, I think seven years ago or so uh-huh. started because she killed a lot of plants before people kill plants before this all happened. Yeah. And then something happened, something snapped. I'm not even sure what it was. And I lived, lived with her for 15 years. And uh-huh. so what it, I don't know what's occurred and I've loved plants my whole life, but it's always been outdoor gardening. Yeah. I loved, you know, growing tomatoes and growing chilies and uh, kale and never really thought much about the indoor space for becoming sure. what this has turned into. Of course. And I have a friend that would, he, he would come over and he would look around trying to figure out where should he sit. Yeah. Cause it'd make him feel like, uh-huh. Crazy, but in yeah. time we figured out how do we get plants in a in a, an arrangement where it's not like encroaching on your personal space. Oh, for sure. But it feels yeah. feel, it feels so good to have yeah. things alive totally. in your house. Totally, because you go to someone's house and there's just in, in, inanimate objects that require no attendance. It feels a little dead because it actually is. Yeah, I mean, you don't want any, for me. It's it's all about having that feeling of uh, life inside the home, right? So having the ability to share the space with something that could easily be probably here as well, grown outdoors. And I talk about this all the time, but blurring that line between indoor and outdoor in where I live in Baltimore, the idea of once you start to enter into late fall, then into winter, the outdoor space is unusable, right? right? So you're trying to stay indoors as much as possible and being able to be inside, see all the green and look outside and it's just white from snow or right. just dark browns and and grays, right? That you still feel enough energy and life and, and I guess vibrancy to right. push through the day because I mean, cold areas, man, like when it, when it gets cold and dark early, it's no fun. And you feel like you're losing a bit of your life every time for sure. Seasonal depression is a real thing. It's a real thing. And I feel like, People bringing greenery in, it will it has been, and I can only speak from my my own personal opinion, my wife, and some friends of mine who can speak on the fact that they see the change in themselves. Once right. winter hits, there isn't that those bits of depression or just feeling like down. Right. I still feel like, yes, I'm still alive. I'm still doing things. Well, it used to be, it used to be that we would we because in time we've moved to the city. Yeah. We used 100%. to live in the countryside and yep. Regardless if it was cold out or not, you yeah. still had to go get firewood. You yep. still live and your firewood was in the forest. Yeah. And so you lived a life that, that required activity and required yeah. the outdoors and you had some peace and quiet, which nowadays we fill our lives with. I mean, I listen to podcasts every moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm not around people. Yeah. But that doesn't replace being around people and having life and life-giving yeah. things. Yeah. I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday afternoon. Uh, Kevin Rose and uh, Tim Ferriss have a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's called The Random Show. And there's this thing called, it's a weird name. Um, oh, gosh, what do they call it? I wanted to say it's out, called outdoor, outdoor showering, but it's, that's not it. I know exactly in, what you're talking about. In Japan. Mm-hmm. You go out into the into the woods, yeah, with nothing. Like, yeah. You don't have any technology. I on don't you. know what it's called, but someone just brought this up to me, um, maybe two or three days ago, yeah. because they have an outdoor shower. I forget exactly. I'm, I wish I knew to yeah. help you out here, but I've have heard of this. And so, they, in Japan, they actually have started to take essential oils from the trees that mm-hmm. grow in the forests, yeah, 
and put them into hospitals. They spray them, they mist uh-huh. them, or in, in, a, in, a, in a shower, you just kind of sprinkle on the floor and let, yeah. let, just let the, the essence flow. For sure. And it causes people in the hospital, like it's mm-hmm. a proven fact that hospitals are paying money yeah. to bring the outdoors into a hospital because people's sure. sicknesses and disease and, their, and their, their rehabilitation speeds up in a way that they cannot do pharmaceutically yeah. with any medical like apparatus. It requires just bringing the outdoors inside. 1,000%. Been, I'm like, there's basically hospitals where you can, you know, you have to pay for your visits, right? Wherever people are being treated, um, you have to pay for that room or right. your insurance pays for it. But there are rooms where they'll allow you, well, they will make, they'll allow you to either, I guess, not rent, but you can say, I'll, I'd rather pay for the room with all the plants in it. Yeah. Because they understand that the idea of how, uh, how much healing I would say having greenery, just being surrounded by yep. greenery in life, uh, can help. I mean, once you get back to nature, right? Like back to like your true selves. Like I always talk about this in my events. Like whenever someone uh, is talking about how much light their plant needs, or or they're like, "Well, well where, where can I push this plant in my dark apartment and and have it still like thrive?" I'm like, "Well, none of your plants in dark spots are thriving. They're just surviving." You know, they're tolerating that space. Sansevieria, maybe. <laughs> still still just tolerating <laughs> that space. Right. Those are desert plants, man. They would love right. they would love light, right? So but we push them into those areas because they are known to tolerate, right? right. But if if you but most plants would love to be in these bright areas. Like and a lot of folks will see these there's a lot of time lapse videos of just plants while while the lights change day to night and they're just going crazy, moving up and down, doing this thing. And I'm like, it's the same as you. Like if you go out, like most folks during the the warmer months, I would say, when you're out tanning, everyone's like laying out, trying to find the sun as much as possible. Like, I got to go tan, I got to go tan. My wife is like, uh, I got a free moment from, from lunch. Like during the summertime, I'm going to go tan because I know we're going to go somewhere, you know, right. like on vacation. I want to be tan for it. But we're all trying to find ourselves in the sunlight. When it gets, when spring hits, like the first day of spring on the East Coast, Man, everyone's trying to work outside. Everyone's just like put like leaning into the sun and just like looking up and closing their eyes and just bathing, right? Yeah. In in sun. It's like once you're able to find yourself back in nature, that feeling is transformative. Like there's something happening there. When I think about when I think about somebody trying to get a plant to live in their apartment and they explain their apartment, happens all the time at the plant shop. Live in an apartment. I have a window that faces east. Mm-hmm. There's a building to my east. Yeah, I literally have no light all day long. Yeah, in my mind, I start thinking, "How are you doing? Yeah, like how do you survive in a in a climate that you've created or you've yeah. chosen? Yeah, where you have no natural light and all you have is like the fluorescent flickering or LED or Look, man, that that's that's a good question for all of them, right? Like, if you have that sort of space, you have to. At the end of the day, it's it's how do you how do you bring in uh, how do you make your how do you make yourself feel good uh, when you're stuck in an environment that feels like that, right? Like, what what extra things can you do? Like you just said, like if there are those essential oils that you can right. sprinkle in your shower, or it's not a mistake. That all of a sudden in today's culture, we are going out of our way trying to figure out whether it's essential oils or it's plants or it's people are going on Pinterest or on Instagram trying to to bring that in. But that's a digital image versus like reality. Well, I would say – well, I would also say that 
there is there have been studies done that even just the image of like on your screensaver of right. the beach helps, right? Like all those all those things at least stimulate some of the sensory that at least pushes you into thinking you are away, right? Um, or you're getting enough light, or you know, like I, I think there's um, some folks who find themselves just maybe just stuck in a position where they just can't get out of that east facing window that faces right. another large building. Um, and hopefully they find ways to um, bring life into their space. Right. Because I mean, like at the end of the day, like everyone can't have really large windows. And that's what I talk about a lot too when it comes to people and plants. I'm like, yes, I have a lot of plants, but I have a lot of windows and a lot right. of light coming in, coming into my space. So you can't do everything that I'm doing because you might not have the same sort of light. Right. But you can find a moment to go and grab one plant. I always talk about the um, the professional. You ever see that? Um, I forget the guy's name, but in, he's basically a uh, contract killer. Oh, and I think I, is and he's a is he a, a French guy? He is a French guy. Natalie I Portman. always see that. I always see the screenshot of that on Netflix. Oh, okay, you should yeah. watch it. Um, he carries around one plant that he's like <laughs> in his in his life of just killing people. Yeah, his one thing that he cares for the most is this plant. It's interesting to see the duality of that, uh, and then this young um, uh, lady walks into his life, this little girl that he's also trying to protect throughout this whole thing. But I just think it's interesting, like so, like John Wick and his dog, but it's <laughs> exactly. homeboy and his, and his plant. John yeah. Wick with the stick, man. <laughs> John Wick. Have you seen John Wick three? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, really quick, off topic, we're talking about John Wick for a second. Um, I hadn't seen any John Wicks bef- until three months ago. I went to my friend's house and John Wait, Wick You three, didn't watch three first? I hadn't, I, no, no, I didn't. Oh, my So, gosh. I told him I really wanted I to see John. I the podcast, so, yeah, bro. <laughs> I told him, I was like, I want to see John Wick 3. And he was like, have you seen 1 and 2? I was like, no, but 3 looks really cool. He was like, but you have to see 1 and 2 to even understand anything. Amen. I'm like, do I? He was like, yeah, you do. So we spent a whole like day like watching one, two, and then we went to the movies and saw three. Heck yeah. And my friend, um, uh, I, this was out in California, and I had gone back to Baltimore after this, right? He text messaged me, and he was like, I probably can pull up right now. He was like, do you know how many murders we watched in the span of nine hours? And I was, or it was like eight hours. I was like, I don't know. It was a lot of murders. He was like, it was more, it was more murders in the three films we watched than combined all Nightmare on Elm Streets, <laughs> all Friday the 13th, <laughs> and like one other um, uh, series of films. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because that John Wick, he goes in. He and, goes and hard, he goes, dude. goes so hard. So in three, there was a moment where I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is too much. <laughs> like, but... Again, I th- I do think um, I do think that uh, you should always, if anyone hasn't seen John Wick uh, one and two, don't see three first. See those first, or don't watch any at all. Or don't you can't watch, watch any. three first. Yeah, don't watch any at all if you haven't watched the third. Uh, and if you don't like murder, don't watch them either. It's a it's like Kill Bill. It's a very uplifting. It is. Kind oh of, yes, it's yes. funny. It's not. I love the idea of uh, the the dog. Yeah, and how they bring that back all the time. And um, did you watch his training? What do you mean? So, so when Keanu Reeves was training for the John Wick movies, oh no, the, uh, the the specialists who are trained in in uh, gun tactics, like of course, I'm not sure what of course. Exactly, gun handling. Yeah, 
said that he is the number one best gun handler in Hollywood. Any stuntman, any anybody, he is the best. And he's so dedicated. Better than Tom he Cruise? Could, better than anybody. Better than anybody. Anybody. And they were the ones who train everybody. They'd never mm. seen anybody train and be so dedicated to being able to handle that equipment in a way that in a fashion that he did. And you watch the video, he just has earmuffs on. There's a bunch of like a, like plywood um, yeah. structures for him to duck behind and jump yeah. over. And he, he's legit dude. My, I would never want to be in a fight with him. My, that's my, ever. that's my, that's my want to make a film, my film. And, and, and if anyone's hearing this, you can take the idea, just make it. I want to see it. You have to get, it was going to be Tom Cruise, but now hearing you say Keanu Reeves, maybe that's the guy. And he's a nice it's, guy. It's basically seeing that guy in real life, like, but it's not real life. It's a movie of him in real life. And all the knowledge he's taken from being in all these action movies, he's now been able to use this in, in the streets. And like when something really goes down and he's like, just, he's just oh. as badass on in his his uh, fictional life right. as Neo or John Wick or whoever. Um, and then now just as Keanu Reeves is like, he's a real badass. He's become a real badass right. because of all this knowledge he's pulled in. Think of speed. Like he knows all of the things now to do. <laughs> oh, like, you know, like, <laughs> Don't watch speed too. But speed one. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like he now, he now has this whole like uh, background of being able to, work through any terrible situation and come out on the end victorious. And this yeah. guy now as Keanu Reeves, the actual character, the real guy is he, he finds himself in, in sticky situations and then we see him go to work and that's the movie. That'd be cool. <laughs> so you like, could have like scenes of him training for each, each film, exactly. each flick, his yep. home life. And then yeah, it hits the fan. It hits the fan. Something, something happens where it's just like, now Keanu Reeves, the actor, is just like in this world, and people are like, "Oh my God, he's like really, he is that guy. <laughs> he's John." Wick. And they play him, and he plays himself. He just plays himself, just straight play himself. I don't know if it's like a mockumentary, but it isn't. It isn't. It isn't serious. Serious. Yeah. It's like it's just funny the way that this guy actually That'd knows be the cool. things. So I don't know. Someone make that film. I'm surprised it hasn't been made already. You know what? I think it was kind of made. Uh-oh. As I as I think about this, um, <laughs> now that I now that I'm thinking about all of this, I was about to say it reminds me of uh, JCVD. If you can figure Jean out Jean Claude Van Damme, look at you, look at you. <laughs> what the? That's amazing, man. Uh, yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I guess he does have he does have a show called. It's not called Jean Claude Van Damme. It's called Jean Claude something. Well, this isn't a show. What I just said is the movie. It's called JCVD. Now that I think about this, maybe I just trimmed this and that's what it was. Like, I just saw that film and I'm like, I want to make one with Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, no <laughs> but I think he's he's acting in it as a character. I don't know if he's acting as, as himself, but it's a character that um, he goes back to his hometown, homeland, right. in his case. Because I think this was shot wherever he's actually from. His, 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 he is from. And um, he, the a bank that he's in gets robbed or something, and then he goes to work. He goes into Jean Claude Van Damme territory, but Jean Claude Van Damme was just Jean Claude Van Damme. He was a badass fighter, f- fighter, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's doing a bunch of fighting and stuff like that in this film. Yeah, I remember watching like when I, when I was a little kid. Every Sunday, 
my brothers and I would watch like every kung fu movie, like okay. the ones where they dubbed over all yeah, the time. Of course, of course. John Claude was the one. I'm trying to think of the movie, he he dips his hands in glue, and then he did they dip him into into uh, glass. They Ooh. fight. It's really. I mean, this I is like twenty five years old. But you're like, I think I think we're around the same age, so we're kind of in the same. Like there was like the Sunday. Like how old do you think I am? Here's the thing. Your wife already told me how old you are. Mother. Yeah. Bro. Sorry, bro. Uh, how old do you think I am? I just told you we're close in age. I would guess 35. 39, but thanks. I'll take that. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll be 40. We said your wife was 31, so I was weeks. like, there's no way you're 41, but you could be because I'm married young. Could be, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good job. Um, yeah, man. As a kid, I remember those like kung, like kung fu Sunday. There was these day, like there were moments, like a block of time on a Sunday. Maybe that's why we did it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Like, I mean, like I was really into uh like not martial arts like i wasn't i didn't do it right. but i was into watching uh bruce lee jean claude yeah man yep. those flicks were legit you know what i'm really into now dark anime like Why? anime where they're How? like it's man anime there's some there's some like i mean obviously you know some of the older ones like ghost in the shell and um akira there's some now that are so well done. Just like, you can't even call it cinematography. It's just, it's like animation composed in a way that it is mind-blowing. Where I'm just like, I wish someone would make this live action because it is too beautiful just to be illustrations. I think the trouble, though, is that for them to have 20 characters uh-huh. in a fight scene that a building blows up, it only takes them... You know, it will t- probably take them a month to make it. Of course, but it takes them no longer to make that than it would to make make have like have some For robot sure. walk through the woods. It's still just it's animation versus having to have a building Got blow it. up and Got have. It. So I, that's where I think is where people's creative impulses have the ability to take on whatever they want. Yeah, and the budget's the same. That's true. Versus Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. But these films are just—I mean, they're just—you know—it is very Japanese. I will say. Yeah. Um, and I hope I'm not offending any Japanese because I don't know if this is exactly Japanese, but it just seems whenever I'm in a Japanese, like whenever I'm in Japan, I go into like a Japanese store, everything just seems very calm and quiet and just like nice, like a night, like every, like palette wise. You've been to Japan? I've been to Japan twice. Love Japan. Everything's like very, um, I guess you can say curated, but. There's nothing out of place, right? And so when you look at these um, the, these animes, everything is like the way they do shots. Everything's either slow and then like striking, like really right. quick. But then they do like just the way they bring in music and the way they uh, will have action happen. Right. It's all very curated and like directed in a way where you're just like. That is amazing. It's unlike any other, I guess, any other animation for sure. But when you think of live action as well, like it's even different than all the karate films because those are always just like very quick, just like jumping back and forth, like quick, quick kicks. These these are like slowed down so you can see the brutality, which is. What's the one that I need to watch? I need to look it up on my phone. That's the most accessible. I haven't. I mean, there's been. It's been hard. I haven't watched in a really long time. But um, 
I'll find it after this podcast. Cool. And then you can put it in the notes. I'll put a link in there. Yeah. You definitely should because, oh, man, it's something blood. Someone's out there is knowing. My friend Mike, who put me onto this. I had a friend try to, he came over, I hadn't seen him in a long time, and he came over and he wanted us to watch, my wife and, my wife and I, to watch Attack on Titan. I don't know that one. Attack on Titan. And we, we were watching it kind of, a, I don't think we blinked for a while. <laughs> and we just looked at each other like, what in the hell are we yeah. doing? Yeah. It was, it was just jarring because I was like, well, I've, I've never watched this. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and and I had a lot of friends at, at where I used to work. They would like read manga, and I yeah. just I'd look at it and go like, I don't. Yeah, it's just not. It's so different from what For I was sure. used to. Yeah, but I know that on that point to where the Japanese, like when you when you said you walked into a shop and everything's very curated. Yeah, the podcast I was just talking about. I listened to yesterday called the Random Show. If you have not, I, I, I have. I've I'll, heard. I've heard uh, ads for it. I'll send. I'll send you a link to it. Got but it. it's really good. They <clears throat> talked about Japanese culture and the pros and cons of it. So the pros of Japanese culture is they're very into uh, honor mm-hmm. and respect. They want to make sure. sure that they like. When I grew up, you don't me- you don't me- you don't mess up my my parents' name. You don't do things that will mm-hmm. get my parents' name in trouble. Yeah, it was very much a a familial. Um, like the name Carlson, you, we don't want to, we don't want you to do something stupid. It wasn't said per se, but it was very yeah. much like we don't do that in this family. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, like this is what this family stands for. Yeah. So in Japan, that is taken to the very nth degree. For sure. So you don't fail, you don't do bad, you do fantastic in school. It's like one of the mm-hmm. number one things that you need to be good at is 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 being good in school. But when they um, they were talking about going into a coffee shop where a guy did pour overs of thirty okay. year old aged coffee which I'd never heard of. So first they're talking about whiskeys and different whiskeys yeah. that are 30 year old whiskeys, Japanese whiskeys, Japanese whiskey, man. There's yeah, the, they, they went on this long tangent about it, but they talked about, they talked about this, um, this little coffee shop where you sit and you have to wait for 45 minutes for your coffee to get poured. It's a pour over for 45 minutes. The guy maybe pours 15 cups a day or 15 pours a day. And that's his <laughs> entire business. When you walk into this little coffee shop, yeah, that is all he does is serves 15 pots, or I'm assuming, of coffee. As you say this, not to interrupt, but I already know the line's out the door, right? And people are like, when can I get Can I get in? They're trying to get in. Right. Because obviously, if, if, it's, if it's something like this, it is one of those things where just like demand is like- The demand's I, high, I but need. there's still just 15 cups, 15 pots a day. I need, I need to get on that list. And it's like, a, it's, a, it's an old man who's been doing it probably for a very long time. And it's not going to go widespread and there's not going yeah, to become a chain. Yeah. It's about this one man and his determination to make the world's best coffee. Do you know what this is called? Do you know where, where this guy is? Cause I have a friend who like loves coffee. He goes to Japan. We've gone to Japan once together. I don't think they named it. Okay. I, I mean, I wasn't listening for the name cause I haven't, I mean, we're actually, we're actually going to China in like two weeks. You're going to China in two weeks? Yeah, there oh, was man. cheap tickets. And I was like, that'd be cool. With the family? Uh, just my wife and I and two friends of ours. Whoa. So we're, our, we're flight. F- fingers crossed our go. visas go through. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. we have, I think, two day, like a two day, two day buffer to see if they let us in. Yeah, of course. On non refundable tickets. Oh, so, man. Where in China are you going? Beijing. Oh, cool. Why? Oh. Be cheap cool. tickets. I've been man. wanting to go for a long time. Cheap tickets. And we work, you know, you guys work in a space where you can just 
get up and go, right? Right. I mean, obviously you have kids, but there's folks that you, you, your family's here. Yeah. I have a, my sister's coming up from Rodoso and she's going to stay in her house nice. and See? hang out with the kids. So that's, so that's what I'm now we're on a tangent here, but I'm just going to bring up kids again. But I was talking to my mom, my mom doesn't live in Baltimore. She lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was like, you know, when we have kids, it might be best that you live close. So right. that situations like this, like just pick up and go to China and you can watch our kids like that's why I always uh, find it interesting when friends will won't live n- near their parents when yeah. they're having kids. Like it must be hard to not have that extra support because when I was a kid, I was an only child, but I had a lot of cousins, and my mom got support from my grandmother, right? My aunts, my uncles. At times, you know, like I think like family doesn't doesn't mean just like the mom, dad, and the children. It's beyond that, right? And also could be, I guess, be your neighbors as well. But um, having the ability to just go to China is that's a blessing, man. Like that's yeah. awesome. We took, we took our kids. How long to, are you going for? Uh, seven days. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm not sure what date we're leaving. I honestly, I just got calls like, "Hey, you want to go to China?" I'm like, oh, your yeah. friend set this up and said, "Hey, let's do this." He's like, "I just bought tickets to China. You want to go?" I'm like, <laughs> "Got I'm like, "Well, did you talk to my wife?" Yeah, right. And he's like, Yeah, I did. She told me to call you. I was like, Well, what'd she say? She's like, She's down. I'm like, Let's do it. I love that. And I text text my wife. I'm like, Hey, book tickets. Oh, and you did it. And they were pretty cheap. 500 bucks. Is it that? Round trip. Round what? 500 bucks round trip. That's insane. Maybe I'll go with you guys as well. My wife can't go. (laughs) Well, you you need a visa. You need a visa 20 days in advance. Yeah, then I guess we can't go because you're going when? I don't know the date. I just just know it's like, I think it was 20. Four days, a few days ago, so it's around twenty days from now. Got it. Okay, so hopefully you get your visa. I cross my fingers too. Um, yeah, we'll see. Where'd you take your kids? You're about to say you took your kids somewhere. Oh, uh, we just took them to, to Phoenix in the middle. Middle. I mean, it was like two weeks ago. Don't they? In the school? middle of the school. Yeah. <laughs> I just asked our teachers, "Can you send us all of their schoolwork? Uh, so instead of homework, like send us with all their schoolwork, so they get all their schoolwork done." And they're cool with that. They were. They, they said, have a great trip. That's so great. They won't be disciplined in any way. It won't be as though they miss class. Or will they? I'm not, I don't know how that works. I talked well, to my I, friend. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to my friend who's the, um, he's my God baby's daddy. He's my best friend. I, talk, I talked to him and I was like, hey, I'm, my, my goddaughter's birthday is November 1st, which is two Fridays from now. And I was like, hey, man, I think... Cause I work from home, so yeah. I was like, I think I'm gonna go up see if you can. If, I'll, I'll go up and pick her up from school, like before she like half day. It you just tell people that you know she has to come home, and I'll go grab her and then take her to the movies, right? Or do something whether it's her birthday. And my wife was like, "That's not a good example. She shouldn't be missing school just to go hang out." And I was like, "I guess you're right, <laughs> but maybe." <laughs> We get the work. Maybe we get like whatever the the the, the, yeah. the 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 lessons that she would be taught. She's seven years old. She'll be eight, I guess. Well, I mean, what what is what you are they taking her to her a movie that, and then afterwards yeah. then her school with her? Exactly. How or cool I'll base be? or I'll base whatever film we're going to see on what she was going to learn that day. Or not? Yeah. Or not? Or not? <laughs> or not? It's a Friday. It's not John Wick. Exactly. She's seven. Whatever it is, she's seven. She's in second grade. Anyway, I'm sorry to bring it up. My, my, I just thought like, you know what? I want to do this thing for my goddaughter. And my wife shot it down so quickly. She was like, don't do that. And I have an example so, of what yeah, to do next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me all the work. I'm going to take my kids. When she turns go, eight. Yeah, man. I like that. How many kids do you have? I don't have any kids. I'm kidless. You said my kids. 
Oh, no. I'm saying future kids. You say, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm talking future kids. Yeah. If I'm lucky to have, my wife and I are lucky to have kids, my future kids and I will yeah. be going places like your kids, <laughs> like the kids that you actually have. We did it I, a couple years ago as well. We okay. just took them and we went to Legoland and That's awesome. the beach and hung out. The thing that Fiona's my wife, the thing that Fiona and I talk about is not letting uh, having kids slow us down in our travels because we both right. like to travel. So once um, the kid is able to fly, we're just going to pack it up and just start going right. to like at least get that out of them early. Right? right. I don't know how you guys dealt with that, but if you're already taking it's, these kids on trips. It's tricky financially to fly course, everywhere. Of like course. that's like probably the hardest thing. And when we shoot, when we shoot weddings, because I think the hardest thing is that in the summer season, that's when all of our weddings are. Mm. And so I was working full time and every day off I had was shooting a wedding. Yeah. And for one season it was every wedding was not in New Mexico yeah. for an entire year. Okay. So that gets a little tricky and we can't take them on those kind of trips, but we've tried to see if we could like have uh, like br- when her mom did live here is bring her mom with us. Like okay. us all take off, yeah, especially of when it's like in Phoenix or if it's yeah. in Texas, like somewhere we can drive to, where it's a little smart. more accessible. Then it makes it a lot more, a lot easier. Which I've seen families where they 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 buy an RV and they all live in an RV and they just drive around the country and Got it. take photos and live on the road and yeah. like, that's pretty cool. But I also have friends that have done that and they're like, we're so we're so done. For Let's sure. not do that anymore. Yeah, I bet. So I can imagine uh-huh. having a bunch of kids living in a you know forty foot camper. For sure. Would get I, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. So you said you work from home. I work from home. What do you do? What do I do from home? Um, or what do I do in general? Uh, you, you've caught me in the, uh, photographer part of my life. So I was taking photos today, but, um, I'm currently working on the new book. So do you know what it's called yet? Yes. It's called wild interiors. Very cool. Uh, it features homes that are not only, uh, greenfield, but styled in a way that, uh, is inspiring to those who are looking for something like that. So, uh, that'll come out. April of 2020. Wow. 2020. So you got um, some work to do. I got some work to do. I am. I, I got some real work to do. Um, I come from a art background. So I went to an art uh, undergrad, got my, my BFA in fine art, got a MFA in film. So a lot of my background is in film. So that's where the photography side comes from. But uh, I used to work at an ad agency not so long ago had to quit because of this, you would call it influencer uh, situation. <laughs> nice. You just slow blinked for at least 10 I seconds. I can just imagine. <laughs> so yeah, man. So um, I do a lot of uh, content online. Like uh, a lot of the stuff that I do on uh, Instagram is just pulling, like that has made, that was that is what created the book. Yeah. So uh, you have to feed that beast. Because this is your second book. This is my second What's book. What's your first book called? My first book's called Wild at Home. So if you guys are out there and looking, yeah. Wild, yeah, exactly. That featured more, more of my space, my yeah. studio space, and a, and a few of the homes that I plant styled. So I also am a plant stylist and interior stylist. So Heck yeah. those are other things that I do. So, I, I mean, honestly, man, it's, it is a... Whatever I'm feeling at the moment, that's what I call myself. Whatever I'm doing, whatever job I'm doing. Because yeah. I can't limit, I can't put all my creative eggs, man, in one basket. I like to paint. 
like I said, I got a, a, a BFA yeah. in art and like painting. So I like to paint, I like to draw. I like to, I love setting a scene. So I love design, love design. So like finding, like antiquing, um, f- like going to hit flea markets, thrift stores, like just digging for stuff yep. like that. Like I have friends that still dig for records, right? But um, some friends who dig for the best coffee shops. Me, it's like, let's find the best little, um, not tchotchke, but not the best little um, knickknack, but the best treasure right. that has a story of its own that I can now add to my story. Right, so I'm always like trying to find something that will work in my space or work in other people's spaces that I think will live not as junk in the future, right. but just live on forever. And everyone from now and to to infinity, people will be excited about that thing. It's hard to find stuff like that, but also the, the idea of like finding finding things that are that have been decided to be be trash, right? And bring that in versus, hey, let's just go buy something new, right? Well, there is that old, obviously the old adage, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Of course, of course. I, I certainly, maybe it's just like the environment that we live in now, but I think that people are more fond of the old than they have ever been. You always had the antiques. Mm-hmm. It's well-built furniture. We like yeah. it as well-built. Yeah. People are, are are turning back to that, which is... What they're talking about when when in Japan, like there's jobs that will be taken over mm-hmm. by robots. They already have been, but it's going to become more and more For commonplace. Sure. Yep. And so, but people are finding more value, not monetarily necessarily, but more value in the things that require an attention to detail. That they know that care and concern went into yeah. this into the making of fill in the blank. Yeah. And you can find it at a thrift shop for three bucks. For sure. doesn't mean it didn't take somebody 20 hours to make it. Yeah. It's just that now somebody has decided it's not really worth anything anymore yeah. until someone, the right person sees it, oh, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was talking to friends today, man. Like, there's so much stuff being made. Like, this planet is suffering, right? Based on all of the junk. Consumerism. That, exactly. Yeah. So use what we already have and, because we can, right? right? We definitely can. There are enough tables out there. There are enough. There are enough chairs as well. People make they've been making chairs and tables and lamps and things like that for at least a decade. <laughs> no, I feel like thousands of years. I feel like I feel like um, they may not last very long anymore, though. No, that's I mean, one no, I'm just problem. thinking. I'm just yeah. thinking about IKEA. Um, <laughs> they've been making this same, my same desk for at least a decade. No, I feel like there's 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 things that are out there um, that you can place in your home, regardless of the, your style, right? That will work in your space. And for me, it's trying to, it's, it's now don't get me wrong. Like I'll find something at like a big box store and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm bringing it in. So I don't want to get in, in any of this twisted at all. <laughs> um, but I love seeing, I love going and find like an old, whatever, coffee table, side table, lamp that has some wear and tear, that, that, that patina on it that you know that it's been, it's lived a life and now I'm bringing it into my Do you life. need a kitchen table? There's one in the back of my truck right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't because I don't have no space for a kitchen table. Uh, man, uh, I wish I, I wish I needed a kitchen table. I really do. Um, Honestly, if I could, if I could do anything, and if I could drop everything, f- 
for a few months, but still get paid, right? Still get money. And they were like, I'll give you all the money you make now, but you go do another thing. It would be traveling around and like thrifting, like traveling around, traveling on the world and just thrifting as much as possible. Like there's, there's so many, like I'll go to play. I was just in LA and I I was in some shops. I was like, man, if I lived here, I would be cleaning up. Like I would have all this stuff. Like just like, there's like so many. And when, when we're talking, and that's go all the way back to plants really quick. We're talking about planters. Like there's like old mid, like mid-century modern planters that no one has anywhere else but in LA cuz there's there's older rich folks who are dying off who are like I don't want this trash anymore. Right. And it's just these perfectly uh I would say quality-wise like cool detailed design uh planters that most people have never seen before and this guy who i was hanging out with um actually i took a photo a few photos of him he was telling me about something that he actually got from a i know he got from uh ebay or uh etsy some guy in la who was just selling a few of them because someone he knew had passed away and i was like dude this is like the mother love. Like this is like you got some real, real treasures here yeah. for cheap, which you could just sell. Like being able to sell a planter based on who designed it and go, that planter there is worth thousand dollars is nuts. But there are planters like that that are out there. Then I'm always like, I wish I had those. I put those in my house because they take the space to the next level. Right. The, a lot of that isn't like back in the days. This is um. Uh, company that they used to make these planters called Architecture um, Pottery. And their planters were designed so well that it was like every part of it was thought of. Like they they tried to make it fit into the space, not just to house a plant, right? Mid-century? Mid-century, for sure. Seems like that is what they, everything has a certain style where it was built to match everything else yes for sure as opposed to this eclectic which eclectic's great yeah, yeah. if you can get it to, you can get to yeah. fit yeah or else you're called a hoarder <laughs> so, there's a big difference yeah, there yeah. yeah of course some of us are still called i mean hoarders in certain ways right um but yeah i mean they, they just did such a, a really great job on these planters that yeah. for me it's just like whenever i see them i was just like that is something where you're like that's a piece of art yeah that you just put a plant in so I'm also in this um I'm just like totally shameless plugging things right now but I'm also uh working on a planter plug away bro <laughs> I'm also working on a planter with uh this mid-century modern company called All Modern and that's how I went through the design process like how do I make this feel like it's something that you're proud to put push out into the space like yeah. this it isn't just about the color or the shape, the beauty of the foliage of your plant, how amazing your plant looks size-wise. It's about what the, I call it the dress, like what it's wearing. Like, That's cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and it needs to have that to to prop it up because all those planters are just pedestals, right? I, I made your that plant. one. Did you make this one? <laughs> yeah. Did you? Yeah, I did. That's pretty sweet. You guys can't see it, but he made a pretty sweet planter in here. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's, it's the plant from- inside of it doesn't fit perfectly yet because I don't think they've pulled it out of its nursery pot. But <laughs> that is made from a high quality uh, ten liter 
paint container. What? I'm so confused. What? So I, I used a, a paint bucket uh-huh. on the outside. I filled it with cement. Yeah. And I pushed another paint bucket in, filled it with filled it with bricks ah. to then make an outer shell. Get out of here. Yeah. I was going to manufacture just, thousands of them, and there's the the buckets breaks like. Oh, it's like, it's so it's not stuff. it's not a uh, but it's what type of paint bucket is that? Because it doesn't look like a paint bucket. So if you go to I got them at Lowe's. They okay. have they have like 10, 10 liter, fifteen liter, eight liter, five liter. So they have graduated size of 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 plastic buckets. Got it. I spray them with Pam, and then I just fill with cement. Plant friends, listen listen up. Spray it with Pam. <laughs> spray with Pam. Then fill it up with cement. And then I put. Then I took a bucket. Then it takes a smaller bucket. Let's I say like a. Let's say like a half inch or inch smaller than the outside bucket. Yep. And then he presses that down into that cement, so the other cement f- spills out. Right to the sides a little well, bit, in, or in it fills up. In this case, up. what I did is I actually took the bucket, set it on. I set the inner bucket on top. I pressed it down. I put a two by four on top uh-huh. and put a cinder block on top to hold it down. Hold it down, yeah. And then I then I poured cement around the edge so I wouldn't have any spillover. Got it, got it, got and it. And then I just tap on the sides. Then it smooths itself out. You let it sit for twenty four hours and you're done. How do you know when it's it's hit the bottom enough to not squeeze all the way down? And well, so it wants to float because the really? bucket, because the because the, your inner bucket's hot is is empty. So that's why because if you push it down and let go, it just it just shoots Got itself it. back up. Got it. So some so smaller ones, I just could just literally just set a brick inside, okay. and it pushes it down far enough. Got it. In this case, there's so much cement that I had to put a a board on top, and then a, then a cinder block to hold it down. Mm-hmm. Those weigh like twenty pounds. Gotcha. Well, so really nice. Um, Making one offs you can do. You can't produce many of them because it's really hard to get out. I tried doing. Yes, I'm thinking like, how do you how do you then get the well? What I tried, out? what I tried to do. My idea was is I would take a big bucket and a smaller bucket, fill with cement. Uh-huh. In that small, in the inner one, fill it with cement, put an inner bucket inside that one, and have like almost like a, a, get, like a Russian nesting yeah. doll. Yeah. And I had all of those, and it was like a mountain of pots. How, how are you going to get those out? I couldn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. I got a few of them out, but I, I, it didn't work. Because you, you, yeah, you, you have to squeeze the inner pot to get it out. Yeah. But you, you can't squeeze you it inside. when that one's full of cement, too. That's true. <laughs> hey man you live and you learn <laughs> yep we know how to make at least one good planter yeah um and this one's solid man i don't know if you have a drainage hole if you don't have a drainage hole i can't mess with it not at all uh nope can't mess with it guys <laughs> I'll, I'll send you with a plant i'll send you with a with a planter though because I, I have i've made hundreds of a different design did I you do, really I use a silicone mold yeah get out of here um, looking around the room after this podcast we're gonna go through all his planters that he's made i don't have one in here the house, I mean, my garage is full of them. Really? Yeah. Of planters that you just made. They're little four-inch planters. Of course, that's cool. Just because sometimes four, even just a four-inch planter Hard can cost find. so much. Oh, it costs, it costs, well, yeah. And so for me, like, I want to be able to give people an economical way of going about dressing a plant. What do you mean give? Are you selling them? Or are you just handing well, them out? In our shop, I, I, we sell them. I yeah. forget about the shop. Did you tell everyone about the shop? No. Talk, talk about the, the podcast shop. isn't about me, bro. Hey, man, now it is. <laughs> hey, hey, this is my podcast now. You know what? Since, we're, since we're plugging things, go to no longer wander. There, it there it is. No longer wander.com, guys. Um, you guys are selling, you're making, you're making your own planters. Uh, for the well, some. There's, 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 yeah. there's a, a mat. What are you calling your planters? I don't care. Does it have a name? No. <laughs> are you putting, are you at least, 
putting your logo or something into the cement? Well, so I have a 3D printer that I had I had I originally had modeled a 3D printer as a 3D printed pot, and then I created a form around it. Okay. The 3D printer broke, and so I'm, I'm t- I've spent months trying to fix the thing and get it back up and running. Okay. But what I need to do is is make a medallion that I can stick inside the silicone. So once yeah. I pour it, I just pour, pull a little medallion off, and I'll say no longer wander in in script nice. or or in a, or in our in our font along the side. Yeah, that'd but be cool. I've so I haven't gotten it yet. No time. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to take away from. You asking me questions, so I will. I won't ask as many questions. Cool. Never again. Okay. No more questions. <laughs> I tried to. I literally tried to hijack this podcast. So just so you know, uh, Hilton's been in our house for a few hours, and I I stayed away from him taking photographs and him talking to my wife because I didn't want to know anything about him. This is true. And I've asked him a few questions, and then and he's like, ah, I'm like, oh, because I, I really want to keep this yeah, experience pure. For where sure. the first time I get to know about something about you is literally the first time. Yeah. Because I think that we have a hard time. Actually, I read a book called um, Talking with Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Never read it. Definitely know it. It came out like it came out a few weeks ago. Okay. I read it. I was so excited okay. until I read it. And it was all about how dangerous it is when strangers interact. Yeah. So that was because I listened to a bunch of, of interviews he did like the days um, leading up to his, the launch of his book. And it was, it was, it was a little, uh, at first it was disheartening when I, when I listened to the interviews because it wasn't about the, the beautiful interactions that, that strangers get a chance to, to, to gain something from each other. Mm-hmm. It was about how we misunderstand each other so often. For sure. I can see and that. Granted, it was, it was a lot of more like school from, from like police shootings of uh-huh. what this police officer thought that this guy was doing Yeah. to around the globe. Not just, not just in America though. We, we far and above have the most problems, mm-hmm. but it was, it was just a lot of interactions where we don't, we have some presuppositions about people and we think that they're going to be, um, it depended on the, every chapter was a different instance of two strangers meeting okay. and it going horribly awry. Got it. And I was like, man, not, that's not the that's kind of encouragement. Exactly. I want people to just, to just yeah. go out of the way to talk to strangers. He's like, you know what? You probably shouldn't do this. You probably, if you see someone, if they're a stranger, remember when you were a kid, when you kid, your mom <laughs> would say stranger danger. <laughs> that's it. There's danger there. If you don't know someone, don't approach them. I think that's the wrong way of going about it. I think you can, if people are street smart enough, you understand like, hey, like, or once you start a conversation, you know what? I should break away from this. Right. Most people aren't uh, dangerous, right? Correct. I think I think all of us are looking for some sort of companionship, and I think, and I'm, and I am. Uh, talking out of my mom would say both sides of my neck um which is weird to say <laughs> but my mom says that but uh i find myself a lot completely cut off based on i wear airpods all day heck yeah and when Me i'm too. outside i'm just like in my zone with my airpods on and not open i would say enough to the world so right. if someone walked up they probably first they would notice I have my AirPods in, so maybe they wouldn't even say anything. But I'm also from a family of of folks who say hi 
when they walk by someone. So right. regardless, I still say hi. Even living in Baltimore, people are weirded out by that. They just go and or they'll say hi, but they're always just it isn't it isn't something where you walk by someone and they'll say hi to me first before I say hi to them. That never right. happens. But when I lived in New Orleans, that's a place where talking to strangers is the only thing. Right. Like that's in that place to me feel and that's why I always tell people that is the best place I've ever been to. It is full of so much hospitality and pure genuine care yeah. at the end of the day. Like how we exactly how this podcast happened today, me being on your on your podcast, is how in 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 a in a different way there it would have been me having dinner at your house. Right. It's like, hey, you just moved in? Come over and have Let's dinner go. tonight. Yeah. Or, hey, I just bumped into you on the street and I'm like, hey, man, how do I get to uh, uh, Decatur and whatever? And you're like, oh, it's just down a buck. Are you a tourist? Are you just hanging around? Like, how long you been in town? Oh, we're having this party tonight. You should come over. It's that sort of, cool. we want you to feel how we feel about the city. So we're going to make sure you have a great time. Right. Right. So that sort of just friendliness, that sort of, uh, I guess, community is what they put out there. But I would guess so, that would be it's probably subconsciously. Like they oh, of course. They're, they're, they're not even be aware of how, how much they go out of their way oh, to no, make they're not. strangers feel no. welcome. Yeah, they, they, it's just it's in them. It's just yeah. culture. So I feel like if people, if, if anyone, have you been to New Orleans? I have, but I've been there twice. Okay. But it was only after uh, hurricanes. To okay. go help clean up. Oh, okay. So I have no idea what it looks like without it being destroyed. Jeez. Okay. I've never been during the... Well, I lived there for a while, but there wasn't a hurricane then. And I've lived there since Katrina. So um, I know a lot of people, like like the true like people who grew up, lived in New Orleans. All, a lot of them were scattered or left or, had, or aren't a part of what's there now. But I will say a lot of the folks who are still the genuine... New Orleans folk are super uh, into making people feel like a part of the community. And it's always, it is the thing of if you're walking down the street, the stranger is, is the idea of saying that person is a stranger or uh, someone I've never, I've never met before. Isn't true. It's, it's that's that person there. That's a friend I haven't talked to yet. Right. That's how it feels. It's and a I friend feel, of the making. It's a friend of the yeah. making. And I feel like that if we if you could carry that, and I carry that when I when I moved from when I moved from New Orleans back to Baltimore, I carried that with me. And that's how I met my wife. Yeah. Because I had this mentality of that regardless of how you feel, I'm all love. Right. So I'm gonna come at you fully with love and try to make a new friend versus shutting off all the walls and windows and keeping things out. I'd be curious if if Katrina caused that or if that happened or if, or if that, or if that just was like their culture before Katrina took place. Cause I know that after nine 11, everybody came together. Mm-hmm. For like sure. the separation we have, For sure. it seems like we're more polarized than yeah. I, I know that I've ever witnessed. Yeah. I know that in during nine 11, granted I wasn't there, but I have a lot of friends who were there at the time mm-hmm. that moved to Albuquerque since said that when that occurred, there were no strangers. There were no um, bad feelings. It was no ill will, yeah. ill intent. It was like, you are somebody that I want to take care of, vice versa. We yeah. are, we. it's a we. 
Yeah, for sure. Not me. Yeah. And so I know that difficult circumstances always brings people people together. One thousand percent. I agree. I don't I mean, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um I think if you talk to some folks who who have been through it, who still live there, who've always lived there, who grew up there, um, I have a good a good buddy that he grew up there, and that's just how he thinks New Orleans has always been. Cool. Um, but I will say this, man: like people people find themselves um, working together, feeling that that I don't know that feeling of like I'm a part of a team. Let's right. say. Um, in situations like when you like go to like sporting events, right? Like I think when, when tragedy hits, everyone pulls together and you're just like, I don't know what your political views are, your religion are, but something happened here. We're all together. Last week I cared. And I don't now. Exactly. So, and then, so I feel like that's how it, like whenever I'm at a sporting event, like when I go to a Ravens game, go Ravens. Uh, whenever I go to a Ravens game. (laughs) All the plugs, man. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, those people that are sitting in front of us, they wouldn't, we wouldn't jive together outside of this stadium. Right. Right. Maybe even right before the game, we don't jive. But when the game starts, we both believe purple and black, baby. Right. And we're both like, let's go. And if anyone's wearing a different colors than us, we don't like them. Right. Right. So I feel like that's like, if you, in that, I'm going to go, I'm bringing it all the way back again. For plants, that's my community that I'm in now. Totally. And every time I go to an event, I'm like, and I tell everyone, I'm like, look, guys, you're a part of this plant community, which is amazing because regardless of your religious views, politics, um, what you believe about this or about that, all that stuff was left at the door. You all came in here because we all genuinely have a true passion for plants. Yeah, we, we all love bleed, them. We all bleed green now. We all bleed green. Well, we all <laughs> yeah. bleed green. We all want, we all right. care so much about them where we could leave this event and go to a bar, go to where, go wherever, just sit in the park and talk f- for the rest of the day right. about plants. That I, I think is a reason why, like when people, why people come to our shop specifically is because it, that is what unites us. Mm-hmm. It's not a big box store where we happen to carry plants. Yeah. What does this do? Read the tag. I don't know. Yeah. It's like everyone we have working in our shop, man, they, they desperately love plants. That's awesome. And it, then people that come in, it's like, how does this plant? And then they, we start talking about their space and about where they live and about how much light they get and how how often do they go? Uh, do they travel? How much water yeah. does they need? But the care and attention to themselves and to the plants and it it's crazy because they were a stranger when they first yeah. walked in. Now they yeah. this common language for sure has brought us together for sure. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how we got on that, but I will say Dude, I don't care. Uh, if we know, I think I know. I, oh yeah, it's the, it's the idea that I, no, no, I don't know how. I'm trying to go back to the point where it's. it's I think the I know how we got on this. We were talking about strangers and the book, and how he was leading people to think that stranger talking to a stranger is bad. I just think there's a commonality when in all of us. There's something that we can grab onto and go. Oh, you like uh, to spread the jelly on first and then peanut butter, and 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 I do the same. Like, let's right. just start our own uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich right. club, right? Because I mean, there's a lot of groups like that, not peanut butter and jelly groups, but there's a lot of people finding their their um, I would say tribes, right? right? 
Now, as I say that, I'm thinking, well, it's not always a good thing, right? <laughs> but I, I think the issue. So, I, I, first, I don't think his book was intended to have that sort of a, a tone to it. Yeah. I think maybe that I had, I had this hope and aspiration that it was going to give me some more tools in my tool belt. To hopefully, this podcast doesn't need to ever be because we all want to reconsider strangers for sure again. Yeah. But so I think maybe I had a different hope. It was yeah. really too high. And so the story after story about, about things going awry, yeah. what I did like about it is that it did talk a lot about, so you talk about tribes, it did talk a lot about the, why we get things and we get people wrong yeah, and how we can kind of reverse engineer that so we don't become the person who has a horrible interaction with a stranger. For sure. And so I think tribes, when it becomes bad, I know nothing about sports at all. But what I do love is that when I go to like a football party at someone's house, I always go because I always find it so interesting to see these groups of typically dudes. They all come together. They have nothing in common and they all just talk the sports language. Unfortunately, that's all they talk about. Yeah. I just I duck because I, I have no idea. You're talking, talking about, about at the sporting event. Though, I mean, just, just in sports. someone's living room. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're all talking about sports and about Got this it. this guy and this this. He had so many yard runs and he yeah, had. Yeah. And then I I just sit there and go like I have nothing to talk about now. And so yeah. what do I do? I go peel chilies <laughs> with, with like the group that's over the kitchen hey, table. Man, yeah, and so because like that for me like I I don't know and so that that is that is the the con to a tribe is that when you don't have that thing in common, mm-hmm. if that's the only thing it becomes a bad thing for sure. But I, that's not in the plant space. There's not a lot of, that's the fortunate thing is that if you like plants, there's not a whole lot of that camaraderie doesn't really create a whole lot of uh, negative uh, emotions for or sure. tensions. Or, you like what? Yeah. You like magnolias? Why would you ever like yeah. magnolias? That doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. That but- is where I think that that side of that type of a tribe is life giving. Always. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Versus, I mean, I guess some, if someone's like psychotic, they could say, if you don't have a plant in your house, then you're a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> that'd there be, there that'd are be some weird. folks out there who would probably say that. <laughs> Maybe so. But I, that's where I think that we still have to be open to understanding about someone else's tribe. Yeah. So we can open our hands and like, and say, you're a stranger now, but I don't want you to be any longer. Yeah. Help me understand about the things you really love. Yeah, for sure. Maybe it'll rub off on us. Yeah. So that's cool. I like that. I'm all about meeting new people. I did once say I'm 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 good on friends, but then I was like, you know what? There's always room for more friends. And now I don't believe there's more room. There's always room for more plants. I do believe there's <laughs> always room for more friends. Um, so I'll leave it at that, man. Um, I think the idea of having a podcast like this is important. I think a lot of people find themselves being from what they see, what they hear, all this, all the t- tweeting, all that stuff, like it makes people fearful, right? Yeah. To just go out and make connections and um, uh, try something new, right? Or be near near someone that they've never been around before, and I feel like a lot of that, a lot of the, a lot of the bad things in the world are easily like destroyed based on confronting your fear and or t- trying something new that's it right like i think I, honestly like racism in general is based on the fact right now that 
they're, you're just not exposed enough. Right. And it's all the stuff that you hear about stuff. It's like, no, I heard that um, rice pudding is gross, so I'm not going to try it. Rice pudding is gross. You I make it that. wrong. Yeah, you make it wrong. <laughs> you make it I wrong. Was, you know what's funny, man? I was standing in um, um, in the customs line trying to get into Mexico City last Friday. I'm standing in line, and there's – she was American. Uh, this American lady behind me. And then behind her were uh, a Brazilian dude and his wife. I think she was um, Spanish or maybe she was French. They were coming from – Europe, and I think he said she was Spanish. Um, she was a Spaniard, and he was originally from Brazil, but they were living in Spain. Um, and they were behind in the line behind us. And the lady behind us was like, the lady behind me turned to them, and she was like, and they were talking about where he was from. He was like, Oh, I'm, I'm from, I'm, I'm, I have a layover here in Mexico City, and then I'm, we're both flying down to Brazil. And she was like, Oh, I know about Brazil. And then she said something about it that I knew was wrong, right. And he was like, no, 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 that's not true. Where'd you hear that? She was like, she, no, no, he was like, no, no, that's not true. Have you been to Brazil? And then she goes, and I'm waiting for her to go, yeah, because the what she said was like, I know. I know. Right. And she goes, no, but I hear a lot of things. And I was like, no, don't say that. That's the last thing you need to be saying right now. And then I thought, that's it, man. That's what, like, so, so much of what people decide on as fact is what they heard from someone else. It's the worst game of telephone. Dude, it, the worst. <laughs> the worst. The absolute worst. And I was, and I felt so bad for her because I was like, he's not the one leaving this conversation thinking um, uh, what she said is true. She's the one who is ignorant to the fact that she has to go taste the rice pudding to make right. sure that it is gross. And she doesn't like it versus just take the opinion of someone in her family to say, those folks are this way. Don't go near them. Right. Those are strangers. Don't go near them. You know, like, no, I actually know a guy. He's not that bad. You should, you should meet him. He actually knows these people who are all different and they aren't that bad at all. You have to actually taste, be a part, see, make your own decisions. And I think a lot of it is just people are just being told different things and just aren't free of that fear to then go and try it out themselves. Just try it. Just try it. Yeah. And so I had a friend, um, he wasn't actually wasn't my friend, but he is my friend. Like I said, I'm in this <laughs> own space in my, in my brain where everyone's friends. Uh, while I was in Mexico City. Uh, a friend of a friend, we were all having dinner and we're having dinner in this Mexican restaurant and there's all this food on the table and he's from Mexico City. He's like, oh, and everyone's like, oh, what's this? What's that? And he's like, oh, try this risotto. Like, oh, cool. And I'm thinking, why not? He's like, it's Mexican risotto. And I'm like, all right, cool. I eat it and I like it. I'm into it. And then someone else is like, that's... um." Uh, some sort of larvae, like, and <laughs> and I'm like, cool, it was delicious. Can I have more? But he was so fearful that I would hate it, or I would freak out by the fact that he's gonna feed me larvae. That I was gonna go, oh no, I don't want to taste that. I'm like, man, when in Rome, I guess, or Roma, you yeah. <laughs> when in Roma, uh, you do as the Romas do. I don't know if they're called Romas. <laughs> Mexicans there do. Um, I just felt like there's yeah. there's that has been. 
um, I would say uh, something that I have learned since college. Now, as a kid, obviously, I would I wouldn't have done that. Like I've eaten crickets and things like that because people eat crickets there, sure. in Mexico. They definitely eat crickets. But my mom taught me like if it if it something that sounds gross or you like if it's a cricket, you don't eat crickets. That's gross. If it's larvae, you don't eat. What, what's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> those things you just don't eat because those are gross. But I learned that my mom is also a part of this same kind of world in some ways. She's gotten better at it because she's had someone, my me, um, to go, let me introduce you to this. Exposure, yeah. Let me put it, it isn't what you think. It, it right. is better than what you might think it is. Like, she doesn't like sushi. She's never tried sushi until she did. But she was like, I don't like sushi. Like, you've never tried it. She's like, I don't like it. I'm like, that makes zero sense to me. I was having guacamole. Now I'm like, how could that be? I love guacamole. (laughs) My mom hates guacamole. She likes avocados. She had it. Yes. Okay. She has guacamole. She likes avocado. She just doesn't like guacamole, which I find very strange. Anyone who doesn't like guacamole, what did you say earlier about people who don't have plants? People would say something about them. Uh, it'd, one, be, it'd be really strange. Like if someone didn't have plants, like I hate you. Yes. How, what's wrong with you? I can't yes. believe that you would. I'm that guy when people don't like guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I just think that uh, just to, uh, I'm a long story short, just I think uh, a lot of the world's problems can be solved just by people like uh, letting letting fear go, trying new things. That's it. Totally. Accepting, accepting a stranger. Accepting people as uh, who they are, and uh, letting the the preconceived ideas that they have in their heads just wiping those away. Now yeah. we say this, but it's not. I mean, when is it going to happen, right? But there's a lot of genuine, I say, real change that I see. You know, um, that it isn't something that would have been happening 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago, obviously that I think at a certain point we're going to, we're going to make it to a point where, and this is going to sound absurd to you right now, but it's what you said earlier. And when you think about it, it's right in line with everything that they've already made in this sci-fi films where we're all on the same team because we're fighting robots, bro. It's like, you know what? I have no time to hate you. Right. They're trying to kill us. Let's all kill them. I'd almost bet you that in World War, fill in the blank, yeah. we were on one team. Exactly. It has to happen. Because we had, we had, we had stakes that were high yeah. that we couldn't, we couldn't worry about the little menial things in our lives that, yeah. that, that typically and technically don't have much importance. Uh-huh. But we want to divide over those things as opposed yeah. to just unite over the things that we can unite over. Yeah. I was talking to the uh, the neighbor had a, a maintenance guy over and he was fixing the the swamp cooler, and uh, his name was Alberto, and he was like, "Hey, I love the fence you built. Uh-huh. I can't believe that you built it this certain way, and you kept yeah. the pickets off the ground so it won't rot." And we were just talking about different oil finishes and how to build fences, nice. and best practices, things like that. And you're over here making fun of people who like sports. <laughs> just talking about. <laughs> Stains. I, I love building stuff. I love building furniture. And I, of I love course, making, of course. Anything you make, I just don't quite understand sports. Of course. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't I grow up in that culture. And so the thing is that every time I watch a – so I, I, my only soccer game I ever went to was uh, New, Mexico, New Mexico United was playing in Denver. And a friend okay. goes, hey, man, my wife ducked out. She doesn't want to go anymore. Do you want to go? I'm like, sure. 
And it was on the supporter bus mm-hmm. driving all the way to Denver. Now, you talk about sport fanatics. They were them. Wow. And I sat in the supporter section where you weren't allowed to sit. Like, we okay. stand the whole game. And it was incredible. And all I did was ask questions. Why did he throw a flag? How come the guy keeps pretending he's hurt? That was yeah. the most frustrating thing. Like, yeah, these, yeah. All these, these, guys, these grown men yeah, act like they're hurt every time. pretending like they're hurt. Yeah. And then once they don't get a flag, it's like, I just right get yeah. get up and run. Yeah. Like he's not hurt. Yeah. Someone call someone throw a flag. Like that's, that's he's a liar. Someone throw, right? someone throw a flag. He's a liar. <laughs> like a liar nice. flag. Where's they the liar should flag? Do that. It's like I ask a lot of questions because I yeah. want to at least understand because I want to try it. Of course. And so currently the thing that I'm most passionate about as a sport is soccer. Why? Because I've been exposed to it. Yeah, that's cool. And so I was talking talking to my neighbor and we we talked to, uh, he he's he went his wife was anyways, long story, but um we were we were talking about um today's culture. And the guy's like 60-something years old. And I love talking to older people because they've seen a lot yeah. more than I have. Been through it, yeah. They've been through it. They've they've experienced it. They've been able to see as time has gone on, the culture yep. change. And it was interesting because I, I think we definitely need to to mesh with, with people of different generations. For sure. Because that is the biggest demographic change based on their culture that I can even – I've been able to experience – yeah, when I go to a party and see someone really old, I typically sit down next to them because they've they've literally sat through World War II. They sure. fought in Vietnam. They, yeah. I've only heard about it. Yeah, this person was in it. They yeah. blind jump from a plane in Vietnam over the trees. They can't see, and this guy who had this uh, it was he wasn't paralyzed. It was called stiff body syndrome. He hit the ground so hard that all of the joints, all of the joints in his body, were like gone. And so he like walked into the store really slowly and he's explaining to me how exciting. There's nothing more exciting than jumping out of a plane in sheer blackness. And someone just tells you, I hope you land on the ground and not in a tree. And his buddies are hanging from trees and he hits the ground, but you don't know the ground's coming up. He doesn't know when to brace. And then just. Oh my goodness. Just the passion he has explaining like what he went through. Yeah, I'll never see Vietnam the same. Because wow. all I know is what I've heard about. Yeah, for sure. But this guy lived through it. I'm like, man, we need, we just need to get out more. One thousand percent. And expose ourselves to larva. Of course. <laughs> Do you want some? You want some? It tastes pretty good, man. Well, if you cook it correctly. Um, so, <laughs> so we're gonna wrap this up. But I want to give, I want you to give the world as many minutes as you want. This is plug? the floor Do is we yours. Plug everything. <laughs> plug it. But like, what do you want to tell the world? It could be about anything you want. Um, you know what? I like to leave everyone with the idea, the, the the thing that I try to put out there the most right now is, and if someone was to, if any of the folks who are from my side who are like Googling my name, they go hit Google, they hit a link and they find this podcast and they're like, Hilton Carter, he's going to talk about plants. If they're here for plants, I will say this. It's the idea that... Please understand that plants are living things and need to be seen and treated as such. I mean, that's honestly it. Once you have the 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 idea in your head that you are caring for something that did not ask for you to take it home and bring it into your into your space. It was doing very well and thriving in the nursery or the hardware store, wherever you found it, it was being cared for by people who actually know what they're doing every day 
that plant was probably being looked after. So it is now your job. You made a decision to care for that plant. Do the best job you possibly can. Think of it as uh, going to a shelter and picking out an animal. You decided to give that animal the best life possible. Do the same for your plant. And once you put that in your head as your job that you have to do, then that plant will thrive and you won't be as stressed when things start to fall apart because you'll be on top of it and making sure that the plant is healthy and thriving, not just surviving. So that's what I'll say. Thank you, man. Hey, man. I appreciate it, brother. That was awesome. Thank you. Do we need to name plants? You don't need to name plants unless you have a hard time bonding with the plant. I say name your plant if you're like, if you, I will say this. This is, is, we'll simplify it really quickly. It's hard to throw out your plant named Barbara. Barbara's feeling sick. You're not just going to toss Barbara out or leave her on the side of the street. You don't have a plant. You have a plant with no name. You can just sit that on, on the corner. No one, who cares? Barbara, you care about. Barbara, you're like, oh, Barbara, what's going on with you? What's wrong? I got to figure out what's wrong with Barbara. I'm going to DM Hilton Carter and see if he can help me with Barbara. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a plant that you really have now focused in on. Well, let's one up that. I want you to name your first plant Hilton. Don't name don't any screw of your. It up. Listen, really quick before we end this, don't name your plants after anyone that you love. Because if that plant dies, you'll feel bad. And then now the person, you know, it, it's not it's not a good look. Don't do it. Definitely don't name any plants after me. Because every plant named Hilton, if they die, a little part of real Hilton dies too. Later, friends. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, sir. Of course, man. What a fun interview. It was so hard not to ask him any questions about who he is or where he's from or what he does. I really had no idea. I did, however, look him up afterwards. He has a book called Wild at Home. He has an apartment with over 300 plants. I'm sorry for any Franks out there, but his first plant's name was Frank. So there's that. I'll put a bunch of links in the show notes to find out more about Hilton Carter. What a good guy. I love that. Thank you guys so much. Again, please subscribe wherever you're hearing this. You can find us on Overcast and Spotify and Apple Podcasts online at adultserial.com. By all means, review, share it. Please share it with somebody you know who really needs a helping hand with how to take care of plants. Because plants are life-giving if we give them the life that they could give us. Anyways, Thank you guys, and until next time, make friends from strangers.